Hello and welcome to a Wednesday, December 20th edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. I'm your host, Horace, and I'm joined by my guy, Ramiz, as after three weeks, seems like a lifetime away now, that we get back together to get onto this slate and clearly not easing ourselves in as we jump right into a 10-game slate that is awaiting us on this Wednesday. But for me, my man, it's been a while. How are things going? How is your DFS life? And uh, <clears throat> how's it looking to be down uh, 3-0 and now that we're looking at our head-to-heads? Well, so far, it's uh, it's been pretty good, of course. I have made some great picks. I'm ready for that comeback, of course. Uh, I think this is going to go down to the wire. I'm going to have to pull off some nice wins. Uh, but, I mean, there's some great news as we're speaking. I mean, John Moran is finally back on the floor from his 25-game mm. suspension. And I like how the first game he's back, it's on TNT to get that easy <laughs> revenue. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm excited for the 10-game slate. And, you know, as I would say, Jaws return is a gun game to have. <laughs> With that pun, and for those who know I love my puns, we are going to jump right into it. But before we do, as always, you got to get yourself onto sportsethos.com so you can enjoy the rest of my puns, not only on the podcast itself, but on the DFS delivery, the props, and everything else that is there. Just a treasure trove of content available not only on the website, but also on our Discord, where you can ask the pros all the way up until lineup lock to get yourself the best DFS advice from some of the best pros in the business. You got to hear my guy Kenny yesterday talk about how he was uh, real successful on WNBA games, EuroLeague games, and has been coming up big on those. So it's not just about the NBA. It's about looking at all opportunities to be able to succeed. So all levels of basketball get onto sports ethos. But let's jump right into it. Ten games looking at the point guard position over here. I guess I'll start for once. You know, give you a, a little bit of an ease back in. From a point guard position, I'm looking at these price tags over here, and there are a bunch of them that have really adjusted pretty heavily as a result of yeah. some of the recent play that we have seen from uh, a lot of these guys. And you'll often find that on also bigger slates that they'll do that just so you can basically be in a position where you have to really think about some of those value and mid-tier guys to complement some of the uh, spend-ups that are naturally going to happen given all the options that are there. And from a guard position, this isn't really the area where I'm looking necessarily to be able to spend up. I'm, I'm looking more at uh, some of you know, the mid-tier to uh, expensive tier, but in the 8,000 range uh, to be able to start up myself off. And really, the first one I'm going to start with looking at the top tier is going to be a little bit closer to home, but more like an ex-home, Fred Van Vliet at 8,600 going up against Atlanta. And... Much like the Rockets, Van Vliet has been really getting himself kind of back on the horse as far as his performances are concerned. We know that his field goal percentage is always one of those boomer bust scenarios where if he's shooting well and he's hot, then his three-point shot is definitely going to be going well. And then the rest of his game uh, starts to come around. And the other aspect that we're really seeing is him dropping some big games as far as the assist totals are concerned getting all the way up to 17 in that last overtime game against Cleveland. But he already had, I believe it was 15 even going into that. So definitely a uptick as far as he's concerned. And going into yet another favorable matchup as far as uh, Atlanta's concerned, 
again, not known for their perimeter defense. You'll get a lot of opportunities to be able to attack Trey Young, who you know gives as much as he gets as far as pure uh, production is concerned. And now I'm saving $1,900 by going with Fred in comparison to Trey, and I think they'll have similar games as far as fantasy is concerned. So expecting a good one there. And then on the other side, looking at that mid-tier area, and this time I am going to go all the way home, where Denver is coming into Toronto to be able to take on the Raptors. And Jamal Murray, who's coming off, I don't want to say necessarily a down game, but purely the fact that he only had to play 25 minutes in what happened to be a blowout win for the Denver Nuggets against the Dallas Mavericks, where he only needed to play 25 minutes, put up 8 of 14, 22 real points on route to 35 DK points. We know that Jamal Murray loves games in which that that stay close because that's usually where he really picks up his fourth quarter field goal attempts are one of the highest in the league when you're actually looking at games that are being decided in single digits. And I expect that this is going to be one of those games where the Raptors always pesky at home. Denver, with Denver coming in, you know, Jamal Murray always has that little bit of a homecoming side of things that go with it as well. The locals love him. I love him. Can't wait to see him. But he gets an opportunity to be able to have another big game over here. And I expect that he will be able to have a little bit of that, you know, as much as Dennis Schroeder has been pretty serviceable for what the Raptors have been looking for. It's not really going to be his night as far as the defensive side of things are concerned. And Jamal with his shiftiness is going to be a pretty dangerous matchup for him to be able to take on. So as long as the Raptors, you know, with the rest of their personnel can keep it as close as I'm expecting, I expect that Jamal Murray will be the beneficiary of that as well. And then finally looking at the value side of things over here and, you know, I'm looking at the Charlotte and Indiana game, which has a 249 game total coming into this with the Pacers being favored to win by 10. So, I, you know me, I don't really love game scripting. But what I do like is that Indiana is getting a little bit more, want to say, tighter with the rotations that they're coming out with, especially you know, with Andrew and Nemhard continuing to be out. What we have seen is TJ McConnell get more of an opportunity to not necessarily get big minutes because he always plays anywhere between 20 to 25. But his usage rate has really gone up in that time. The fact that he's getting two double-digit field goal attempts consistently alongside the fact that he always gives you great upside as far as assistance is concerned means that even if it was a normal game, given the game total that we're going to see and the lack of defense on either side to get us to a pretty high total here, I expect that TJ McConnell is going to get to his opportunity to be able to place his fingerprints all over this game. And if it is you know, more like the script is suggesting and the Pacers run away with it, McConnell may find himself getting a couple of those beautiful garbage time minutes that we love as DFS fans as well. So if he can get to 25 minutes, I expect that he could find himself in a situation to put up 35 and above DK points. And I love that for his 5,900 price tag. Uh, man, I like your picks a lot because I know that Jamal Murray against Toronto does feel like one of those homecoming type games where he's going to have a, an amazing night. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, I think the one thing I noticed about him and I really like is I think you're minimum going to get around, what, 35 DK fantasy points. I think he's been always consistent with that. And the way he's playing right now, you probably will get maybe 40 plus, perhaps, especially against this Atlanta team, like you mentioned. Uh, but I decided to go in a different direction. I guess I'm I'm going off uh, the players who are playing a bit of good, great basketball, and that's James Harden at 8,800. Obviously, that's your guy, so I know you're probably <laughs> smiling behind the camera. Uh, but we were going for him for like what 7,900 two weeks ago, and now he's mm-hmm. finally coming back to his level of play and just much more confident in his game. I mean, he had what five threes against in that last quarter, uh, five or six threes, if I'm not mistaken. And this is kind of what Harden has been able to do. And even with the inconsistent play of a Paul George or 
he had a rotational pieces, he's still been able to get assists and such. So I think Harden is a pretty safe play to have a, a high-scoring game once again because they are going against Dallas. And hopefully this game is another great game to watch. And because they always have these type of games where I think last time they faced actually did Dallas drop 154 points on them, but they still got like 127 points. So I think this will be another one of those high-scoring type games, uh, mainly because the Clippers, as great as they've been, they still allow a lot of points, but they've also been scoring a lot. So Harden, I think, will be on that score sheet, whether it's with points or whether it's with assists. Uh, mid-tier-wise, I'm going off uh, another hot hand, and that's THT at 6,500. He's had a great couple of games. Uh, of course, Keontae George is still injured, and Jordan Clarkson is still injured. I think he's going to be out for two weeks. So, uh, of course, Tillman Horn Tucker is one of the beneficiaries from that situation. And if he continues his play of just scoring the ball, and they are going against the Cavs, so... Without Evan Mobley, I think Jared Allen is the only rim protector. So you're hoping Allen or Tucker could take advantage of the other players on the court, like a Dean Wade or Jordan Sinyang, who you would probably assume would be guarding him uh, because he is a tall point guard. So at 6500 I do like that price tag for him. And on budget-wise, you mentioned TJ McConnell. In that game, I'm mentioning the other side, and that's Nick Smith Jr. at 4000 Uh Just a player who has been getting opportunity in the last three games. He's gotten 20 minutes average, I want to say. Uh, so you're hoping in this game, if it is a blowout, Nick Smith Jr. does get that opportunity to play much more minutes. And if it is a close game, you're still hoping Nick Smith Jr. continues his consistent minutes of 20 and is having some type of production. Uh, because I think he is the only other point guard alongside Ish Smith when it comes off the bench. And if they already are in tanking season, then Nick Smith Jr. will get a lot more play than Ish Smith. And that about wraps up my point guards. Yeah, no, some interesting picks over there. And I think uh, we're going to find that we have a little bit of overlap just given the fact that a lot of these point guards and shooting guards do end up having a dual eligibility. So you can usually slot them in a, in a bunch of different ways because I was right there with you with Taylor Horton Tucker. I think at 6,500, he's an excellent pick. He's obviously got the, the minutes under him uh, with uh, with everything that uh, Utah is facing as far as all of their injuries are concerned. So really getting the, getting the benefit of that is working out well for him and his usage. Uh, on the other side, Going again to the injury side of things, and Cleveland is a team that is absolutely just ravaged with them to get on the same day <laughs> news that both Evan Mobley and Darius Garland are going to be out for multiple weeks. Definitely not what uh, the Cavs fans would have been hoping for. But on the other hand, it has given an opportunity once again for Karis LeVert to get himself back into that high usage level that we were able to see kind of earlier in the season when uh, either one of either Garland or Donovan Mitchell were unavailable, and he found himself in that 30-minute-plus role. We got to see glimpses of that already in that last game against Houston, where even though he ended up playing 27 minutes, did get 13 field goal attempts in that game, and was able to get some of those ancillary stats to get back up to the level that you're hoping. So for him to, again, have a little bit of that upside, Utah has been a terrible team as far as perimeter defense is concerned, and definitely not being helped now with further injuries on their part. So I expect Levert, who even if he's not necessarily shooting the lights out, we'll have more than enough volume to be able to get himself somewhere close to 5.5 to 6x on that uh, on that price tag. So I do like taking him there. And speaking of finding a little bit of life from the grave, Gary Trent Jr., last game, got to play 35 minutes against the Charlotte Hornets in a matchup where, I mean, this entire year for Gary has been a bit of a write-off just purely from the fact that he is just not finding his role and his usage to be in any way in any way consistent. And that's hurt his minutes, it's hurt his production, and, and most importantly, it's hurt his shooting. And so 
if there's one thing we know about Gary is that he's a guy who is all rhythm. If he can get into a rhythm, that's when everything else kind of ends up flowing into it. And we got to see glimpses of that, especially in the fourth quarter against the Charlotte Hornets. And I expect that you know, with how the Raptors have really been struggling from the bench, they're going to hope that he can have a double dose of that, especially in a matchup that we're going to expect to see a little bit more point scoring with uh, with Denver being the offensive juggernaut that they are on their side. And actually catching them at a time where Jokic is probably having a bit of his downturn as far as the season's considered so far. So he'll be looking to come back. The Raptors will be looking to keep up with that. And if they're going to do so, they're going to need Gary Trent to be able to do that. So definitely an area that I am pretty heavily focused on as far as uh, this game's concerned. And then finally, again, looking at uh, opportunities to be able to take advantage of that Charlotte-Indiana spread. I was going to include him in the small forward side, but he does have dual eligibility, so we'll throw both of them in there. And that's Benedict Mathurin. Now, I'm not necessarily looking to spend up big on, on a matchup where there is that little bit of a fear of not getting the kind of minutes totals that you want from the studs in there. But for a guy who is in the 6,000s and finding himself consistently able to shoot 15 plus times in a game for for a team that really believes in him as kind of their, I don't, I don't want to necessarily say the future, but if it really believes in him as a key perimeter threat for everything that Indiana is looking to do. Benedict Mathurin is a perfect GPP kind of play because he gives you that upside where if he's having a good scoring night, then he can get himself up into the 40s as far as uh, DK points are concerned, as we saw in that Clippers game, as we saw earlier uh, in the week against Detroit as well. But then at the other hand, you definitely get a little bit of that downside where he can have you know a bad shooting night and then everything else kind of falls apart. So a little bit of worry from that perspective, but given the game total, given how Charlotte just can't defend anything, and given the fact that Mathurin is going to get the advantage and the opportunity, I like him for a 6300 price tag. Interesting. Uh, I got some. I got a few picks here as well. I did uh, for my upper tier pick. I do like tier with zero eight hundred. Of course, I mentioned uh, Nick Smith Jr. as one of the point guards. I mean, the other point guard is tier with zero eight hundred, and he's had these games that I really like. That of course he is one of those rookie players where he could have, you know, one of those bad inefficient games. But in a ten game slate, I'm, if I'm looking for someone to have that type of performance where he goes crazy, I think tier with zero is one of those uh, options. Because uh, they're going against Indiana. I think we've mentioned it multiple times that this game is going to be high scoring. Uh, even if Indiana wins by 10, I think Tier Wazir will have a lot of responsibility like he, I, like he has been uh, in almost every single game because of Lamelo's injury. And at hundred, he's been showing the ability to have these games where he can get around 70 DK fantasy points. Of course, that would be amazing. Uh, but if he can even still get around 50, I think you're still getting a pretty solid game from him. And you're hoping this game goes exactly as, I guess, one would script it to be, which would just be fast-paced so he can get those opportunities, he can get, get those shots. I mean, of course, uh, Indiana doesn't have a lot of defensive players. Of course, they have Bruce Brown and Mathurin are solid defenders. Uh, but Tier Wazir has been able to have some solid performances against teams with great defenders and still get you around 45 DK fantasy points. So you're, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for another a night where he kind of raises the ceiling on my slate. Uh, Mid-tier-wise... Uh, I don't know if it's actually mid-tier wise. This might be still a bit upper tier, which is 77,000 range, and that's Colin Sexton mm-hmm. at 7,200. I mentioned Taylor Horner Tucker. I I mean, Colin Sexton is also another beneficiary. I mean, the guy's been averaging, I want to say, 25 points since starting the starting for them. And he's been shooting pretty, like, pretty, pretty, um, some pretty great stats. So I, I'm hoping he can do the same thing against Cleveland, which is a team he got from, you know, have that extra motivation to perform. And with, uh, 
Cleveland's also dealing with some injuries, uh, less paint perimeter, uh, paint defense, pardon me. So I think Colin Sexton can continue to just have this type of play and just continue to perform how he's been performing, right? And of course, 7,200 does kind of scare you away, but in this type of game, I don't think he might have a lot of ownership. Depends on how people are going with this uh, slate, of course. Uh, but at, if he continues to average around 35 DK fantasy points, I think that's a really great uh, average to get from Colin Sexton. And uh, I did also go for uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. at 6,200 in mid-tier. Just uh, one of those players who I think out of Dallas is going to have those shot attempts for sure. Uh, I think there's been a couple of games where he, he's been able to get uh, 20 shot attempts, if I'm not mistaken. So you're hoping he can have some type of game like that because it is going to be going against the Clippers. So you're going to be scoring to match what supposedly the likes of Harden, uh, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard, and perhaps a Powell or a Westbrook. Right? So you're going to need some scoring, and I think Tim Hardaway Jr. will have a, a factor into that. And he will be getting a lot of minutes. He's also been one of those players who I know can get hot against the Clippers team and be a really uh, annoyance to them. So at 6200, I do like the upside that I can possibly achieve from Tim Hardaway Jr. And budget-wise, I you mentioned him already, and that's Gary Trent Jr. at 4900. I think if there's one thing that we know as Raptor fans, that Gary Trent is a streaky player. So you're hoping this is the beginning of some streak that he's going to have, which is uh, something that we would need against Denver. And not only that, just the type of team uh, Denver is. Of course, Jokic at center, great, great, amazing elite player. But defensively, he does still lack the what's it, the uh, lateral quickness. Pardon me. So I think uh, if you're doing some pick and pops, I think Gary Trent, we all know, how does probably know his best. He loves doing that side step after that screen. So I think <laughs> Gary Trent Jr. will have a lot of space when it comes to facing Jokic in pick and pops or pick and rolls. And hopefully he'll have, he'll have another game uh, like he did against Charlotte. I like it. Well, we're both uh, hoping for something good to come out of Gary Trent. So maybe that's going to be the player picture for this uh, for this podcast to see if we can get something going there. Really go out of left field. But as far as a uh, small forward is concerned, really, it's as much of what we're really getting at to the same thing. That value tier, that mid tier is really showing a, a bunch of opportunities to be able to go ahead and take advantage. And again, not to beat too much on onto the same drum that Utah and Cleveland games is giving you more opportunities for it with Isaac Okoro being the other one at 5,100 uh, giving you that opportunity to really take advantage of a, a bigger role that has been thrust upon him. Last two games, getting 32 minutes. He's never really going to be a big pure point scorer, but he does have that capability to rack up stats across the board. We got to see that in the Houston game. We were even seeing a little bit of that in the, uh, in the Atlanta game prior to that as well. And it really just comes down to how much can he stay on the floor? And if he's getting 32 minutes at that 5,100 price tag, you can feel pretty confident that he'll get somewhere close to 30, if not more, the DK points, just given uh, how much he's going to be used at the moment. It's it's almost like a bit of a Max Drews light role that he's got going for him, but he's a good bit cheaper than him. And, and as a result, offers a little bit more upside from a pure value standpoint. Uh, again, on, on the mid-tier side of things and, and jumping back over to that Houston game, this is actually, to me, continues to be surprising because I don't really see Tari Eason as a small forward per se, even though he has that dual eligibility. <laughs> but what we have been seeing is over the last uh, week and a half now, he's gotten his minutes into that high 20s, which is really what you were hoping for. Really, At least what I was hoping for. I drafted him in a bunch of season-long leagues and expecting him to start to get the kind of minutes that we're seeing now. And what we do get from him is sneaky rebounding upside alongside the capability to be able to rack up those putbacks and and get those points in a hurry he's always not going to necessarily need you know 15 16 shots to be able to get there he can do it with 
eight to ten shots because most of those are going to be right underneath the basket. He gets the opportunity to be uh, that uh, bit of a rim runner for them while still giving a little bit of upside from uh, beyond the arc as well. So he is a guy that I really like both in real life and in fantasy. And I expect that 6,100 is going to be a really good price tag for him to continue to be at, uh, at the level we have been seeing for the last week and a half, which is almost at uh, 38 to 39 uh, DK points on average. So definitely something to, to like as far as his upside is concerned. And until that price tag keeps going up, I'm going to keep trying uh, to be able to see if I can take advantage of that. And then finally, and this is again, more of a, a guy that I would have uh, otherwise thought of as a as power forward rather than a small forward and coming off a down game, which is, you know, some guys you like to be on a streak. Other guys I actually prefer when they're coming off a down game. And that's Michael Porter Jr. Because if we, what we have seen throughout the season so far is that he has been elite at bouncing back. When he has a crap game, <laughs> you'll find that the game right after that, he ends up shooting 50 plus percent from the field. We'll get, we'll see his stroke going from downtown as well, which obviously at a personal level, I'm hoping isn't going to be absolutely insane, but I do think that with his size advantage, he is going to be a real threat on the outside for what the Denver Nuggets are going to need, especially against the Toronto Raptors, where outside of OG, they're really struggling on the on the perimeter as far as defense is concerned, and Raptors are probably going to have to be forced to throw a little bit more Pascal on him to try and, and throw a little bit of that off. But in general, Michael Porter Jr. has consistently enjoyed a pretty uh, successful outing against the Toronto Raptors, and 6700 gives him more than enough upside where even if he doesn't have necessarily a great shooting night, he can often get you enough rebounds and just pure enough points from a field goal attempts perspective that he should be able to uh, get somewhere close to his value, even if he doesn't absolutely crush it. Mm. Well, yeah, m- moving on to uh, the uh, the power forward side of oh, things. Oh, hold up. I, I yeah. think I should talk about my small forwards before Maybe we get into Maybe you should. Or you know what? Uh, Why don't you do both now just for that? Oh, okay, man. I'm going to talk for a good 10 minutes in, all right? Go for it. Uh, uh, but first of all, I do want to say Michael Porter Jr. is a, probably a really good underrated pick because I'm already imagining him hitting a pump fake, Chris Boucher flying into the stands, then him sidestepping it, <laughs> having an open three uh, because that probably will happen. Uh, but starting off with my small fours, I'm going with Mikhail Bridges at 7,500. Uh, you spoke about a bounce back game. I'm talking about uh, Mikhail Bridges is also, I feel like, going to have a bounce back, game, bounce back game. Pardon me. He is playing on a cold stretch. Uh, he, they went on a West Coast trip and lost all five games. So you're hopefully they're coming back to Brooklyn and he's going to have that home feel to it. So he's going to have a bounce back game and have kind of just his averages because he has he's been averaging like 26 DK fantasy points in this five game stretch, which is horrible. So this game against New York, which is extra motivation to hopefully, you know, have that atmosphere and just kind of just have that performance and get back to the winning side of things because I don't even think Brooklyn has their pick. So Tanking is quite not an option for this team. So Mikhail Bridges is at 7,500. We've seen his performances and we've seen how efficient his game can be. And as long as he continues to get that minute average to around like 35 or 37, uh, I think he will have another solid game against the New York Knicks because they don't really have the length, I want to say, to really guard someone like Mikhail Bridges. Of course, they do have some, you know, Josh Hart, Dante DiVincenzo, but lengthwise, I think Mikhail Bridges should have a much more easier game compared to the opponents he has faced on the stretch. Uh, mid-tier wise, um, you mentioned a whole lot of Cavs. I'm going to mention another one and Max Truce at 6,600. Uh, you spoke about I mean, it's almost any every single player's responsibility is increasing with Darius Garland and Evan Mobley, injuring, uh, Evan Mobley being injured. And Max Truce is one of those guys as well. I mean, he's got around 13 shots in two games. And of course, he hasn't really been hitting his shots. 
but you also know that he's been kind of those, I want to say rebounding forwards at his height where he can get you six to eight rebounds sometimes. And I think he has been given those duties and probably just being able to space the floor for this team. Uh, so I think even regardless of the games where he doesn't shoot well, I think you can expect some solid nights and some solid game time because he does space the floor even on his off nights. So I think at 6600 I still like that price tag to go for him on that, uh, I guess, a chance to have that really solid game. And then uh, budget-wise, I decided to go with O'Shea Agbaji at 4200 Uh Just one of those players I noticed in that price tag was continuously getting around 20 minutes. Uh, so another guy who I think has the opportunity to have a great game and just, just kind of feed off the great players on that Utah Jazz team, which is Colin Sexton, Taylor Hora Tucker, and Laurie Martin by just spacing the floor, playing some great defense. And just having a solid 20 DK fancy point nights, that's what you, that's what you would kind of expect from O'Shea Agbaji. Uh and yep, that's about it. Uh, do you want me to continue on to power forwards? <laughs> no, that's fine. I'll let you keep uh, get your breath. Because I did like some of those picks. If you had given me picks that I didn't like, then I'd be like, you know what? Keep going till I find something I agree with. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, feel, I see how you think. <laughs> Man, moving on to the uh, the power forwards here. And this is where I'm now looking to a little bit more of that uh, that higher tier, where I'm actually willing to uh, spend a little bit more. Because there are some opportunities in my mind to be able to go ahead and uh, really get some of that top tier talent. Which is, uh, first of all, Gonna start with that uh, Minnesota and Philly game that we got coming up, and again it goes back to uh, Carl Anthony Towns being in a sub nine thousand dollar role as far as his price tag is concerned. We got to see obviously a monster game against Indiana, while against Miami he had a little bit less of that. But really, what we have seen over the last you know two and a half weeks is that he has been very consistently up in that high forties as far as DK points is concerned, while still giving you the upside to be able to do. A good bit beyond that, if he can get uh, if he can get the rest of his game going that night. So, for me, Minnesota in general has been incredibly good this season. I expect that Philly, who had a very disappointing game up against uh, the Chicago Bulls, where they dropped that game at home, terrible, terrible game. But in this one here, Minnesota is going to really try to back that up and come again into Philly and really push uh, push them over all the way to the end. The spread is pointing towards the same way as well. We're looking at a 225 game total, so not necessarily a high-scoring game. But if we know from both these teams, it's going to be very concentrated scoring. It's going to be coming from the studs in this game. So I'm avoiding pretty much any role players in this one, but I am going to be pretty interested in the main guys. And Carl Anthony Towns is going to be uh, the first one that I'm really looking as, as far as that's concerned. I'm looking a little bit further down into the mid-tier side of things and uh, and going back once again to that Charlotte-Indiana game where, again, I'm, I'm avoiding Halliburton. I'm avoiding, I'm personally avoiding Rozier. I know you pointed him out, but that price tag is just a bit too much for me. On the other hand, P.J. Washington is a guy that I am looking at over here. Now, of course, we have to take last game a little bit with a grain of salt because a certain <clears throat> criminal, <laughs> a certain person was not allowed into <laughs> Toronto and that allowed P.J. Washington to get a little bit looser as far as his uh, pure field goal attempts were, were concerned so he did get 16 but what we saw on the other hand is that he didn't really shoot all that well shot 5 of 16 obviously the Raptors ended up pulling out the win in that game but in general PJ Washington at his price tag does give you that that GPP upside where he can drop high 30s as far as his DK points are concerned on a night where even if his shot's not going he can usually grab you enough uh, rebounds as well as you know, the odd steal and block combination that he can that he can get which is pretty unique to him to be able to find ways to get his uh, his value. So again, 
in a game where I'm not necessarily jumping for efficiency. We know that it's going to be a game where everyone and their mothers is going to be shooting and shooting. We're going to get 250, if not more, as far as the game total is concerned. Washington at 6,300 gives you the opportunity to be able to take advantage of that. Should be able to get somewhere close to uh, five, five and a half to six X for his price tag there. And then finally, again, kind of uh, looking in that uh, in that mid tier area to be able to find uh, different ways. Uh, the you already mentioned uh, uh, you already mentioned Mikal Bridges, but uh, on the other side, you know, I don't necessarily love taking. Uh, too many guys from New York just because night in and night out, you just don't know what to expect. But I do like taking certain opportunities. And if there's uh, one thing that RJ Barrett has shown me is that in Brooklyn games, he seems to take that battle for New York pretty seriously and ends up having the pretty outsized games on a regular basis there. He's got pretty good splits when it comes to, uh, when it comes to that New York-Brooklyn matchup. And his price tag is low enough where I'm not necessarily – you know, worried about the fact that he's not uh, the most consistent night in and night out, nor is his uh, his shot attempts all consistent on a night in night out basis. On nights where he feels more aggressive, he'll get closer to 20 field goal attempts, which is what I'm hoping we're going to see in this uh, Brooklyn game over here versus the games where he's a little bit more passive. He ends up around 10 to 11 field goal attempts, and that's usually when he has those, those dud nights because he's not really a big supporting stats kind of guy. He can get you the odd decent rebounding night, but his value is very much aligned with how well he scores on any given night. So for him to get kind of closer to that 23, 24 actual points night, which is what I'm hoping for in this game, the rest of it should hopefully work out to allow him to get, uh, get himself back on track as far as his value is concerned. Some interesting picks. I decided to spend a bit high on this area as well. And I'm going for the player who actually beat me three weeks ago. And that's Kawhi Leonard at 8,700. <laughs> uh, Kawhi's, efficiency in this winning streak has been insane. I, his averages, I mean, I don't, can't pull them up exactly, but I think it's 60, 50, 90. And that's just absolutely insane. I don't think Dallas will be the team to end this win streak. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to take that. I'm going for my prediction there that I think this game will be close. Like I mentioned about Harden having a scoring punch, I think Kawhi will be as well, just continuously being efficient. Uh, Defending-wise, I don't think they had a defenders for it. Of course, they used to have some before, of course, during Finney-Smith, but Grant Williams, Derek Jones Jr., I don't think are going to be the people to stop Kawhi from continuing to average his uh, averages. Uh, so I think Kawhi 8700 will be another great player to really uh, try to fit into your slate. Uh, mid-tier-wise, I decided to go with Keegan Murray, SEC 800. Uh, Keegan Murray, just a guy who I think benefits at playing home compared to his away games. I mean, the splits show that he is Averaging 36 at home games and 23 in away games, and of course this Boston game is uh, much more different because they are going they are again going against a much defensive team. But I think when I've watched these Kings game, I noticed Keegan Murray doesn't really force shots. He only kind of just feeds off, I guess this you know you know uh, Malik Monk or De'Aaron Fox is finding him or Demonte uh, Sabonis' screens, and he only really picks and chooses his shots. He has been able to average around 20 shots these past two games against Washington and Utah. But like I said, these opponents are much different than the Boston team that you're going to be facing. So I think if Keegan Murray can keep up this great play, you know, comfortable, being comfortable at home, and just being able to hit the shots he's going to get, I think he will be having another solid night. And budget-wise, I decided to go with uh, <laughs> another cast player, uh, George's Neing at 4,000, uh, just a guy who... Is another player who just gets around 20 minutes, and he is a scorer. So I, I'm not a scorer, pardon me, a shooter. 
So I think uh, another one of those guys who will be getting minutes because when you have Jared Allen, I think you want to surround Donovan Mitchell with shooters, Karis LeVert as well, and just kind of just space the floor, hit a few threes in that 4,000. If you can get like a 16 to 20 DK fantasy point, fantasy point night, you're kind of getting exactly what you expect from him. No, I like it. I think there's a good bit of upside over there, and let's see exactly what that looks like. And I know you just went for Kawhi. It sounds like we might have to uh, talk about another head-to-head. I don't know if I want to put Cat up against Kawhi on a pure, mm, yes, pure night over here, but I, I don't know. I don't know about this uh, particular matchup for uh, for Cat to be able to purely outdo Kawhi. Let, let me think about it by the end of this. End of okay, slate. so in other words, you're that. scared. Ooh, you know what? Fine, let's do it. I'll, I'll give you give you a shot. <laughs> Cat, cat versus Kawhi. Let's see what head-to-head comes out here. I have a feeling you're going to be really sad if this turns out the other way. <laughs> moving on <laughs> moving on to the center side of things, though. And, again, this is where I'm looking at the absolute top tier. And, and let, me, uh, let me just throw some numbers out for you. 40 points a game, 13 rebounds a game, 4.6 assists a game to go alongside two blocks a game. That has been Joel Embiid in this month of December. And it has been absolutely ridiculous to be able to see the numbers that he has been putting up in that time. And I don't think there is anyone in the in the league right now that is putting their case down for the front runner for MVP at this point, other than Joel Embiid. And for him, you know, we talked about if I'm running cat on one side, it's because I expect this to be a tough, hard fought game all the way through. And that means Joel Embiid is gonna have another monstrous night. So I'm spending up. He's my pillar play. And Joel Embiid has been a guy who just doesn't let you down as far as his uh, his performances are concerned. He hasn't even had a single game below 60 DK points since November 17th. So think about that. It's been an entire month of him just absolutely dominating to a level that uh, no one else is doing in the league right now. So his price tag, it's, it's irrelevant for where it is now, 11,600 means that he has all the opportunity to be able to get 5.5 to 6 sex on a pretty regular basis, if not more than that, uh, until he has uh, his uh, his performances go the other way. So as much as Minnesota has been a really good team this year on the defensive side, like they have been defensively dangerous this entire season so far. And if there's and anyone who's going to be interested in going up against that and try and slow him down, it is going to be Rudy Gobert. But the reality is this is going to be one of those Hard-fought games, very much star-studded. I don't expect it to be the most efficient night as far as Embiid is concerned, but what I do know is he'll get his counting stats. And for me, 11,600 is going to be why I'm going to be looking at all these mid-tier and uh, value picks on up, up until the, the area we've looked at now is because I'm hoping for Embiid to be the head of, my, head of the snake as far as my fantasy lineups are concerned. Going a little bit lower than that, this is where, uh, going back to that New York-Brooklyn matchup that's happening, you know, we've seen with the, the Mitchell Robinson injury that was going on, and we were waiting for it to really clear up in terms of who is going to be truly taking over that uh, center opportunity. And I already had a good feeling that it was going to be Isaiah Hartenstein, but he's really locked it down over the last couple of games where they've had some really you know, stellar performances as far as New York's concerned, big wins for them against the Clippers, against the Lakers. And in both of those games, Isaiah Hartenstein did some pretty awesome things as far as his uh, individual performances was concerned. He's never going to be a big point scorer, but what he is is a very reliable rebounder. Any situation where he's found himself in about 25 minutes or above, you can always uh, expect him to be a double-double threat in that time. 
And given the fact that he's now getting consistently into that uh, 30 minute mark, that's opened up a bigger ceiling for him as far as his value is concerned, because now we're being able to see him rack up a couple of blocks. He's actually not a decent, not a bad passer either. He's getting two to three assists a game in that time as well. So it just makes for a really good fantasy profile. And I expect he's going to be pretty popular given how well he has played, but I think it's uh, it's well earned for what he's doing there. And then finally, again, looking at that uh, at that mid-tier slot and going one last time back to that Utah-Cleveland game, it's Walker Kessler for me. And it feels like it's just the game outside of like Charlotte, Indiana, Minnesota, this one, and now Utah-Cleveland. We've had a couple of games that we've absolutely focused in on. And to me, Walker Kessler, who got you know his mojo back in that last game, really getting himself back into the starting lineup after having a pretty extended stretch where he was benched and then had his injury. And there's a, a couple of things where he's just been looking, you know, a shadow of himself as far as what we were seeing the year prior, but starting to now get himself back in the groove four out of the last five games. He's had three or more blocks with two of those games being five or more blocks and one of them going all the way up to seven. So clearly that blocking potential is there. And that obviously gives him a lot of upside as far as his, uh, DK points uh, total is concerned because blocks get you uh, three points there. But there's rebounding, getting you the opportunity to consistently be closer to that double-double mark rather than what we were seeing earlier on the season where he was just anemic, staggering around five, six uh, rebounds a game. And it's really not what we were expecting for how much hype the Walker Kessler had coming into this year. So for Utah's sake and uh, for fantasy owners' sake, I expect that 6200 is a really good price tag to be able to take him in a matchup where you should see him going up against Jared Allen and getting a little bit more opportunity in a, in a more at a big focus matchup there. And I really do like uh, taking him for that mid tier price tag. Those are some great picks. Uh, I was, I was really contemplating going for Rudy Gobert until you mentioned his numbers. Uh, now I was kind of, I'm kind of just backing away from that idea. Of course though, I do want to play that with advocate and here and say that he basically paid the wizards, the pistons and the, the <laughs> Hornets probably the whole month. Um, but, I don't know about that. <laughs> but it be, I mean, like you said, he, I mean, he's been insane, and he does love that challenge of going against this Minnesota team. Of course, they've had some brawls, literally brawls, in the past performances. So you're hoping this will be probably another explosive performance because they are playing at home. Uh, but I didn't go for Rudy Gobert. I did go for PJ Washington. I think you mentioned him as a power forward, uh, but he has dual eligibility, and I think with Mark Williams, I think he is doubtful to play tomorrow. So I think P.J. Washington center minutes are in play once again against this uh, Indiana team. And they might use it because to the space the floor, because I think the other option is Nick Richards, who has been solid. But he is 6,100, and he's only been able to get around 28 DK fantasy points. Whereas P.J. Washington, of course, if he's scoring the ball, that completely raises his ceiling at 6,300. So I do really like that play. And uh, hopefully he will get some center minutes once again to play alongside Miles Bridges. Uh, another player that uh, you mentioned, Walker Kessler. Uh, I'm not going to speak much about him, but like you said, I mean, he's been kind of getting back to that form. Uh, he was injured, so he wasn't really playing center minutes. I mean, not center minutes, probably starting, uh, but he has been back to starting. He can have those inconsistent games, but he can also have those games where he has like 41 AK fantasy points, which is kind of what me and you would be expecting against this Cleveland Cavaliers team. And then uh, budget-wise, I decided to go with uh, Rishon Holmes at 3,700, uh, of course. If you know the Mavericks situation, they don't have Derek Lively. I think he's still injured. They don't have Maxi Kleber. They don't have Josh Green. They don't have, I think it was another player. I forgot. 
Uh, but they are limited in terms of that center area. So the only options are Dwight Powell and Rishon Holmes. And Rishon Holmes is only 3,700. So I think if he can just come on and have a solid performance, you know, because they are going to go against Zubac. And Zubac, I mean, has been playing some pretty great basketball, and he can be really annoying. So I think they will have to play a center in some scenarios. And at 3,700, I think Rishon Holmes is as cheap as it gets in terms of getting at least a few minutes to see if he can have that type of spark play and just get a few lobs off uh, Luca. And that's about it. Wraps up my list. All right. Well, that also will wrap up where we've gotten to as far as the podcast is concerned. Obviously, a bit longer today, a little uh, bit of, uh, let's say, catching up <laughs> with everything that obviously has happened in between the last couple of uh, podcasts that we've done. But it looks like we have uh, decided to end up on Carl Anthony Towns versus Kawhi Leonard as far as their head-to-head concerned. <laughs> and overall, as far as DFS is concerned, a lot of different ways that you can go about attacking this slate there. But clearly, an exciting night of basketball does await us. Ten games, uh, some super high-scoring ones, and some potentially really close games there. So looking forward to seeing what some of these players are going to do for their price tags going into the night. But again, as always, you want to keep an eye out all the way up until lineup lock, seeing what kind of injuries, what kind of last-minute announcements could cause you to make that change that makes all the difference. So get onto sportsethos.com, get yourself subscribed to that DFS pass, and keep yourself in the know all the way through with some of the best content in the DFS business. But to hit me up and give me your thoughts about what the uh, what the lineups are looking like on your end, Get me on Twitter, on Instagram, at H-A-K underscore Devil. Talk to me about kind of where your head's at in terms of not only our uh, head-to-head over here. I have a feeling more people are going to go for Kawhi. Just just my head here. I feel like I should have asked for a, a little bit of buffer on here. But it's good. It's all good. Hey, I'm all about being charitable. And speaking of being charitable, where can the people find you, Ramiz, to get some good stuff? They can find me at Twitter at two nice. That'll be spelled T O zero underscore nice underscore. And yep, I think uh, this will. Be, I think it will be a pretty nice matchup. I think hopefully Towns can live up to that really defensively, but he should have a great performance regardless. I like it. Well, we'll keep an eye out for who does end up living up to their uh, to their name on the game. But until then. Good luck to everyone. I hope everyone's enjoying what should be uh, coming near to the end of the year and gearing up for a pretty cool holiday season. But until then, let's take down some GPPs and see if we can get there right in on a hot streak. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.